Welcome to Lights at the End of the Tunnel, a place where we shine a light on, rant, complain, and try to find solutions about the MGA. After all, we are all in these tin cans together. Welcome back to Lights at the End of the Tunnel. Glad to have you back. Episode 5, recorded July 19th, 2018. This is a very important episode, and I hope to have many more like it. I would like it to become a regular feature. Today, we're talking about accessibility, or the lack of it, regarding the MTA. It's important to share these stories, and I want to get as many stories out there, because everybody matters. New York City has 472 subway stations, and how many of those stations do you think are accessible? 118 are accessible in the New York City subway, which means 22% are accessible, which is appalling. Staten Island Railway has 21 stations and 5 are accessible, which means 24% accessible. LIRR has 124 stations and 104 accessible, which means 84%, which is better. Metro North has 124 stations and 79 are, ex are accessible, which is 64%, which is also good. Overall, the MTA train stations across all lines are 40% accessible. That is appalling. On the plus side, all the buses are accessible. However, they are slow and cumbersome. Despite all the myriad of problems associated with the subway, it is still the easiest way to get around New York City. On this episode, I speak with Monica Bartley, who is a Community Outreach Specialist for CIDNY, or Center for Independence of Disabled New York. CIDNY is a nonprofit founded in 1978. They are advocates for the disabled community and they offer counseling direct services, and independent life skills, and all of their services are free. Also, the CIDNY turns 40 this year, 40 years of advocacy and service, and we thank you for your service. We will discuss the difficulties of navigating the subway, lack of elevators, and associated issues, plus buses and accessoride. We will discuss how the current system is and what needs to happen in order for the overall system to improve. After my conversation with Monica, I will have a summary of what we learned from Monica and some of my thoughts regarding the lack of accessibility, followed by contact information for CIDNY and, of course, myself. I hope you find this podcast to be informative and helpful, and even make you a little mad to spur you into a little bit of activism to get the subway system and overall transportation system of the MTA accessible for everybody. Because everybody matters. Please enjoy. <clears throat> Today we are meeting with Monica Bartley, who is a Community Outreach Specialist for CIDNY, or Center for Independence of the Disabled of New York. CIDNY is a nonprofit founded in 1978. They are advocates for the disabled community and they offer counseling, direct services, and independent life skills. All of their services are free. Today we are discussing the MTA and the and accessibility or lack of it. I wanted to do this podcast because I believe it's important that these stories be heard. They need to be heard so we can all make a positive change. Also, Ms. Bartley requires a wheelchair to get around so she can share her stories regarding lack of accessibility. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you very much for inviting me. I briefly mentioned that the CIDNY 
is. Can you please go into more detail regarding your organization? Our organ this organization is an independent living center where we teach independent living skills to people with disabilities. We do benefits counseling. We have different programs such as we have an advocacy program that consists of people with disabilities who meet each month um, and we teach them advocacy skills so they learn to, to do self-advocacy. They share their issues with us and we address a problem that they may raise. I also am involved with voting rights where we do accessibility surveys each election. So um, we would survey polling sites. So I train surveyors to do these um, surveys at each election. And then we prepare a report which we give to the Board of Elections at the end of the day so they can review our findings and address them. Of course, we had a lawsuit uh, on voting rights as well. Okay. So let's get to it. The MTA has 472 subway stations and only 118 are accessible, which is a dismal 22%. All of these elevators were a direct result of lawsuits and protest. They had to be demanded, despite the 1986 ADA Act. So how do you feel that it's taken this long just to get that 22%? And it's kind of appalling. And how long do these lawsuits really drag out before one is even installed? Well, it, it is really a matter of concern for us because we need to be able to get to work you know transportation is a very important part of people's lives and people with disabilities face real barriers and challenges when it comes on to transportation and the subway is one of the major problems we face we have a lawsuit and we're right now we're negotiating that traveling using the subway is really very difficult because there are few stations with elevators, but then the elevators are not properly maintained. So we may plan our travel, taking into account that we use the accessible stations. And then when we get there, we realize that the elevator is not working. Well, so, yeah. Right, that was one of my questions. I mean, yeah. for the 22% that do exist, I mean, are they functional? I mean, are they clean? They are not clean. I have had very unpleasant encounters using the elevators. Uh, once I went to the 8th Avenue station and when I approached the elevator, uh, someone was ahead of me and I noticed that they turned back and didn't go in. When I got there, there was just a whole load of feces in the oh. elevator. It was just, and then I had no choice. So I had to go in and try to maneuver around it so that the wheels of my chair did not get in it. And then there's urine. It, the elevators are usually not very clean. So that again is quite a put off. I mean, I know that 
I go to the accessibility page on MTA Info and they seem to be under perpetual maintenance. Nothing seems to work with them. And it's just like, I'm assuming that none of them are clean because the subways aren't clean themselves. I mean, they clean the trains every eight to 10 weeks. I can only imagine the lack of care that go into the elevators. And it's, it's appalling that they can't just go in there once a day and just, you know, disinfect the place. It's so easy. Yes. You know, just bleach it out and, you know, make it make okay it. for those who require it. Yes. Have you ever right. been stuck in one? I've never been stuck in the elevator per se, but I have been stuck in a station where when I get to the station, the elevator isn't working, and then I have to take the train further to another station and then when I get there that one isn't working either and I've had to reroute like just go back to where I came from get off and take the bus to my destination. Well that was another question that I have I mean what happens when there are like mechanical issues or like a, like a track fire or something and you have to get out they just stop the train at its station that doesn't have an elevator what, what what is that process like what happens then yeah thankfully i've never had that experience but i'm always very worried and wonder when i hear these reported i wonder what would someone with a disability do when something like that happens because some of us use wheelchairs that are very heavy yeah. and you can't lift them so i really wonder what we would do and i i hope it never happens to any of us well i was uh, like four years ago i was i had an incident with that happened but fortunately their wheelchair wasn't big it was it was lighter it was with the folder one manual the folder. wheelchair yeah, the, yeah and it's just like i he was in my car and i was just like okay no, there's there's the mechanical problem there's smell of smoke it's like i can't leave him here so we do what new yorkers do best it's like i commandeered a bunch of guys i was like this person needs our help. We're all leaving because of this. So help him. So they helped him. But the thing is, it's like he had the, the manual one and they're easier to manage with people in them. And it's just, it was so hard for me because it's just like, well, now what does he do? He's at street level. Now he's got to find a bus or he has to find a cab that's accessible or an Uber that's accessible or a lift that's accessible. And the problem is not all cabs are accessible. Not all Ubers are accessible. Yes, because Uber and Lyft are not accessible. They definitely could not take a manual, a, a motorized chair. They Probably you can fold a manual chair and put in the booth of those. Well, the buses are accessible and are usually more, you know, able to accommodate us. But it depends on the driver too, because sometimes drivers don't want to take up someone who use a wheelchair. So they'll tell you something like, the lift isn't working. Mm. Yes, so we face a number of challenges with transportation. Do you think the hire of Alex Alagudin is a positive step in the right direction? I don't know. Well, it's someone with a disability, so he should be able to share his experiences and he should be aware of some of the challenges that we face. So that's a good step, I would think, in the right direction. I think it's positive that they finally have an advocate who can speak on your behalf inside. Yes. But his job description seems kind of wide and broad. It's like he's there to talk about it. but. What is he going to do to make change? I hope he does. I really hope he does because it looks like they're actually trying to do better. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know. Yes, I'm not um, familiar with his job description, so I can't say 
much about that. Okay. Um, let's talk Accessoride. I've, I haven't heard the most positive things about Accessoride. I hear that you have to book 24 to 48 hours in advance. Sometimes there are no shows, then you have to find your own transportation, but they offer some sort of reimbursement program. What is that like? <coughs> Accessoride. <laughs> that one has speak. a number of speak, challenges. Monica, yes. I want to hear because, about it. Because, yes. As you said, we have to uh, reserve a trip uh, 48 hours or at least 24 hours in advance, and there's no flexibility in it. So if on the day of travel you had a change of plans, you can't make any changes, you have to stick to what your original travel plan. The buses arrive late sometimes, and sometimes they have... It, well, it's a shared ride, mm -hmm. so there will be other passengers as well. But if we're all going in the same direction, that's good. But one may be going east and one going west, so you may spend a lot of travel time on an accessory ride bus. If you take into account the fact that they're allowed half an hour um, to get to you, Right, So after half an hour, you can consider them being late. So you give them half an hour to get there, and then when they get there, you are taken all around. You may be taken over three boroughs in the course of your travel. So that's very frustrating. So it's not borough-specific? Like, no, it's not. So if you are in Manhattan and you just want to stay in Mon Manhattan, or but there's somebody who needs to go to Brooklyn... And depending on where you are, they might just swing into Brooklyn and then bring you back? No, shouldn't not it be, like that. Shouldn't it be borough-specific? Well, I don't know. I think it should be. Well, maybe that me, would so. make it more efficient. I don't know. But, okay, for example, I live in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. so I commute from Brooklyn to Manhattan. But there are times when I may be picked up from Manhattan, I'm going home, and then you take someone, you drop them in Queens, uh -huh. and then you go to Brooklyn. Uh -huh. Or it may work the other way around, where they pick me up, they drop me in Brooklyn, and then the other person has to go to Queens or Staten Island, for that matter. So it, it I takes feel bad a while. For the person in Staten Island. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's a lot. Oh yes, that's a lot, and it it happens quite frequently where the Staten Island person will go with me from Manhattan to Brooklyn and then to Staten Island. So that's a long commute at the end of the day when you're tired. And then the uncertainty. You may have a very important appointment and you're very anxious. Will they be on time? You're so anxious yeah. because you don't know if you will get to that appointment on time. And there are times that I've missed appointments because they came late. And when you get there, for example, a doctor's appointment, you have a nine o'clock appointment and... They picked you up late and you got to the doctor like around nine o'clock. You're just ready for the, you get there later than nine o'clock. You're just ready for their second pickup for them to take you. So you miss that appointment. So you waste time. Yeah. Yes. How much does it cost to take, is it like on par with the subway fare? It is um, on par with the bus fares, yes. Okay. We pay full fare. The two dollars seventy-five. Okay. Yes. Okay. If we travel on the bus, though, we would pay reduced fare, oh, okay. and we've been asking for that too um, on access ride for us to be allowed to pay reduced fare because there are some people who 
have difficulty paying full fare. I mean, you think fair fares, the initiative that they installed would not only go to low-income New Yorkers, but also those well, with, you know, mobility issues. Yes, when it when it's implemented, I'm hoping that it will apply to people who use Accessoride as well. Okay, well, that, well they should. Yes. Um, for our visually impaired citizens, other than Braille on the MetroCard kiosks, I haven't seen other any instances of, of Braille. I mean, what do they do for our visually impaired citizens? For on Accessoride, they're supposed to call out and assist. Okay. That is, when they arrive, the driver is supposed to call the person's name to and assist them to the vehicle. But it doesn't happen all the time. I have heard and seen people who are visually impaired or blind um, like their vehicle arrived the driver didn't notify them and then they leave so the person is left standing and have to call the company to to get a new trip and that new trip is a real headache because in making a new trip if you miss your ride you have to wait one hour to get a time to be picked up so it's like there is a penalty then if you call to say I miss my ride then they'll tell you call back in an hour and we'll tell you if we have a new trip for you and then when you call back in the hour they, they'll tell you we have a new trip and that new trip will pick you up in another you, hour you, so see, you see I'm mad now Monica because that's that is that that is ridiculous that it it's their is. fault they didn't follow their own procedures yes and now that they're penalizing you and it's just like no that's no no that's yes, not acceptable that's Alex do something about that yes Alex Alagutin do something about that yes and um, do they have any other options for our blind or visually impaired citizens other than the braille on the kiosks? Because I literally haven't seen anything else other than no. the, the bumps on the... Yes, the, they're supposed to be the bumps even on the subway platform so that they can know when they're close to the edge of the platform. And the platform should be painted yellow. Right. Yes. Those so, are the only things I, I know of. Yes, that's the only thing I know of. And then there's the issue, again, elevators would be helpful because they need to get down those stairs. Yes. Sometimes with dogs. Definitely. Yes, elevators would be helpful. Elevators are for everyone, yeah. not just... Just, you know, people with strollers and children. Yes. Our elderly folks. Yes. And you, we see them all the time, like the delivery guys, who are going from one stop to another, to another. short trips, and it's just like, it's it's a lot. Elevators are for everybody. Are for everyone. Gee whiz, yes. come on, the city and MTA and the governor and everybody else who's involved. Let us Every, ride. Everyone running for, for office. Yes. Everybody matters. Everybody matters. Let us ride. Exactly. Let us ride. Okay, for our hearing impaired citizens, um, I know the MTA offers TTY over the phone and sound on the MetroCard kiosks. I mean, we even have problems hearing things down there. Yes. What? <coughs> seriously, how can they help them? Other, I mean, I know that other there are other features in houses, like when doorbell rings, lights flicker, and all that stuff. What, is, what can they do for them? What is really helpful, those signage at the subway station and that 
notification that the train will arrive in six minutes okay so if you have all of that and on the newer trains I noticed that they have um, there is a digital screen that tells you um, next stop Bushwick whatever right. so um, that helps because you're it helps all of us right. because sometimes you're on the subway and you're sleeping so if you wake <laughs> up and you look up and you see next stop so you'll know exactly where you well, are at least they're kind of making an effort even though that's for everybody but it's still an effort for those who can't yeah. hear those announcements but if there's an emergency and their instructions they're they, the, all the, those instructions generally aren't on there like if, if you have to evacuate and you have to go through cars they generally don't put that there it's just some guy with a with, with like a walkie-talkie going you have to move forward and it's just like whoa can't hear you yes right so i guess someone would have to you know usher <coughs> them through and try to explain yes that's or like right. write it down or something yes but we would only know that if you let us know it, that so so what can we do as a city to make your lives easier, to make it easier for you to travel where you need to travel and get there faster? And you know, there are lawsuits and protests, but what else can we do? Because that's the only thing that where people actually hear you, where a bunch of people are making a lot of noise, hence the podcast. I'm just trying to get as many voices out there as possible. This is not acceptable anymore. What happens here isn't acceptable. We need the MTA to address the problems that we've identified. For example, we want to see them develop a plan to implement sub, um, elevators at all subway stations. And right now, they're renovating stations, and some of them, a lot of money has been spent, and no elevators were put in. I, that's what I was saying. Like 30th Avenue Queens and 36th Avenue Queens yes. were done at the same time. Beautiful. They look. Great, there a ramp or an elevator to be seen anywhere. Hundreds of millions of dollars, nothing. It's like it's not even a consideration. Right, so that's um, one thing that we would like them to see, include in their renovation plans, putting in elevators in stations that are being renovated. Have a comprehensive plan to as to how we're going to get subway station elevators in. We also need to see people trained, better trained, to how to, to relate to people with disabilities. For example, even on the buses, we need to see drivers better trained yeah. so that when they get to a stop, and, and to be more considerate, because sometimes, even when the weather is very bad and people are out there, they will tell you that the lift is not working and leave you there. So we want to see them more considerate. We would also like to see consideration given to all types of disabilities because our needs are different. Right. So we want to see the, the needs of people who are blind taken into consideration, people who are deaf taken into consideration, so that you can address all the issues. It's not just people who have wheelchairs who travel. All of us want to travel, so we need all the issues to be considered in creating a, a transportation system that's really efficient and 
helpful to everyone because all of us as New Yorkers want to participate in the life of the city. We, we want to go to work. We want to, we have doctor's appointments and so on. And we also want to take part in the leisure activities. So we want to be able to go to the museums, to, to take part in everything. And transportation is key in getting us from point A to point B. And if this is not done, then we experience social isolation because we are not able to do things with our friends and family. We, are, we will be left behind. And that's not good? No. Let you ride. Yes. Let all of us ride. Let all of us ride. Okay. Well, I thank you, Monica, for your time. I really appreciate it. And I hope this does make a difference. And, you know, and everybody, if you know someone or you want to participate, Forward this on to everyone you know and let everybody know, your elected officials, your borough presidents, and let them know that this is not acceptable anymore. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. So what did we learn from Monica? We learned that the current state of the MTA in terms of accessibility is abysmal. The elevators are not only frequently broken, but they are in shocking conditions in terms of cleanliness. Accessoride is not the most efficient or user-friendly. Ramps in, on buses are not always functional. More needs to be done to make the transit system accessible and convenient for all of us. New York City falls behind every major city in America when it comes to accessible public transit. Chicago has 100% accessible features on all lines of transportation. Chicago has 146 stations and 100 of them have elevators or ramps, which is 70%, and they intend to have all stations accessible in 20 years. Boston stations are about 90% accessible. BART in the Bay Area, MARTA in Atlanta, LA Metro in Los Angeles, and Washington, D.C. are all 100% accessible. All of these cities can do this. Why can't we? Not only does the lack of accessibility take a physical toll on those trying to get from point A to point B, it takes an emotional toll. The stress of not knowing if the elevators are working properly at the start of your journey and at your destination, and then having to possibly double back in order to get where you need to go in the first place. Not being able to enjoy all the wonderful things the city has to offer because you can't get out of your own neighborhood. The unnecessary stress of being late to appointments or a job interview, or simply not being able to spend time with friends and family. As Monica said, let us ride. Per the ADA Act, which was first drafted in 1986 and finally passed into law in 1990, if a station is significantly modified, at least 20% of the renovation costs must be spent on ADA improvements. However, this does not seem to be the case here in New York City. Smith and 9th Street in Brooklyn was closed for nearly two years for renovation and no elevator. 30th Ave and 36th Street and 36th Ave, recently renovated in Queens, has no elevator. Bay Ridge Ave, Prospect Avenue, and 53rd Street in Brooklyn were all closed at the same time for renovations and nary an elevator in sight. What we do have is art to look at fancy classwork, and lots of fancy informational screens that sometimes have conflicting information on them. In my research, the only way the MTA ever agrees to put an elevator in is when they have been sued and forced to. 
You would think that if the system is accessible to everybody, that means everyone wins. You would think in a civil society, everyone winning would be a plus. Hopefully going forward, elevators and ramps will just be a part of the plan when renovating or building new stations. I would like to point out that elevators are for everyone. Our disabled citizens, the elderly, heavily pregnant ladies, those with strollers, delivery people, and those who just may be temporarily injured. However, it's not enough that you have elevators. You have to maintain them and keep them clean. How hard is it to have someone go in once a day and sanitize the elevator? Considering that there's only 118 of them, it shouldn't take that long. But then again, the MTA cleans the interiors of the subway cars every 8 to 10 weeks, which is also unacceptable. You know what? Hashtag not acceptable. Hashtag 40% is failing. Hashtag 118 out of 40, 472. Hashtag let us ride. Use these in addition to hashtag how's Andy's commute when complaining on social media regarding the MTA and their terrible service. While I'm talking about social media, here's some people you can reach out to and ask them, or actually tell them, that we need better accessibility in the subway, buses, and all over the system. Sarah Meyer is the Chief Customer Officer for New York City Transit. She can be reached at Twitter at Sarah Meyer NYC, and that is spelled S-A-R-A-H-M-E-Y-E-R-N-Y-C. She's always asking for suggestions to improve the system, so give her some. Let her know you would like to see the overall system improve for everyone. Governor Cuomo's office can be reached on Twitter at NYGovCuomo. Also, his office phone number is 518-474-8390. Let him know that the overall system needs to be accessible for everyone. Mayor de Blasio can be found at, at Bill de Blasio. However, I couldn't find a full phone number for him except dialing 311 to reach his office. And MTA Chairman Joe Loda can be found at Joe Loda. We cannot be considered the greatest city in the world until we accommodate everyone. So everyone can enjoy what this city has to offer because everybody matters. Let us ride. That's it, everyone. Thank you for listening, and I hope Monica Bartley and I gave you something to think about and chew on. Remember, we're all in these tin cans together, and in order for this to work, we all have to participate or just be supportive and be in my amen corner. Here are some spots where you can reach out to CIDNY and myself. As the Four Tops once said, reach out and I'll be there. Thank you to Monica Bartley for speaking with me, and thank you to Jessica for arranging the meeting. To find CIDNY website, www.cidny.org. Email info at cidny.org. They have two offices, the Manhattan office, 841 Broadway, Suite 301, New York, New York, 10003. Phone number, 212-674-2300. They have walk-in days of Monday and Tuesday, 10 a.m. to 1.30 p.m., and Thursday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Queen's Office, 80-02, Kew Gardens Road, Suite 400, Kew Gardens, New York, 11415. Phone, 
1520. Their walk-in day is Monday, 10, to 3, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Instagram, CID underscore NY. Twitter, at CID underscore NY. Facebook, Center for Independence of the Disabled NY, New York. <laughs> LinkedIn, Center for Independence of the Disabled New York. You can also find job listings here as well. YouTube, Center for Independence of the Disabled New York. And find me, email podcastsarah at gmail.com. Sarah is with an H. Podcast is hosted on Anchor. Twitter, at Zoom, where I employ hashtag Andy's commute whenever I complain about the MTA, or your miserable commute, helping all of y'all out. And I encourage you also to use the hashtags as well, including hashtag 40% is failing, hashtag 118 out of 472, hashtag not acceptable, and hashtag let us ride. Instagram, lights at the end of the tunnel, one big word. Facebook, Lights at the End of the Tunnel. SoundCloud, Lights at the End of the Tunnel. Spotify, Lights at the End of the Tunnel. Google Podcasts, Lights at the End of the Tunnel. Although this app is only available for Android users. Breaker Social Podcasts, Lights at the End of the Tunnel. RadioPublic.com, Lights at the End of the Tunnel. Pocket Casts, Lights at the End of the Tunnel. Thanks to Ox on the Roof for intro music. Follow them on Twitter at ox roof music so reach out and share the only way for this to be successful is to work together we need to shine a light so bright they can't ignore us shine brightly everybody